The tail end of Parshas Chayisara describes that first encounter between Yitzchak and Rivka. Rivka has been traveling back from Aram Harayim, from the north, and the first thing she sees is Yitzchak davening, and she's clearly very moved by it. She falls partially off of her camel. She covers herself up, and that scene of Yitzchak davening in the field quietly, it's in the afternoon, and he's sharing and his day's activity in the day's industry, because the location of the tefillah is not the only aspect being defined by the word sada. Sada isn't only the place where Yitzchak is davening, but sada is the mind space, the mental framework, the mentality within which Yitzchak is davening. And, and Yitzchak institutionalizes mincha. Mincha is a tefillah that's pitched right in smack in the middle of our day, in the middle of our work, we, we continue to work, especially in wintertime, after davening mincha, and, and we've worked before mincha, unlike shachris, which is tethered to the experience of waking up in the morning, saying maudani, recognizing the nisim of being awoken, of being refreshed, and, of course, the MS Vemuna, the mariv, which is really pitched within the shutting down of our day and the reduction of our day into, uh, with all of our hopes, so many of them haven't come true, but we still fall back upon the rock of Emunah. Mincha is very much part of our day and is very much flavored by the daily activity. And it's, it's probably in many respects difficult to have Kavana during Mincha, in part because it's so short, and in part because our mind is still racing with ideas and with plans and with designs in ways that they aren't in the morning or at night. In part, that's what makes Mincha so um, realistic. I don't think you necessarily have to empty your mind of your daily activity, but introduce that activity and those struggles to the dialogue with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and that notion of tefillah as a conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not necessarily as a break in the daily experience to speak to Hashem, but a conversation which is very much pitched upon experience, is conveyed by the Yitzchak Lasuach Basad. He's speaking to a friend. He's speaking to... HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Basada, in the field, and Al Hasada, about the field. So the verb Lasuach, in the framework of Basada, very much co- combines to give that sense of tefillah as a conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and very often we, we, we in, some, in some ways, impede our tefillah, because we have so much on our mind, and we try to empty our minds and our hearts of what we're thinking about so that we can daven, when so much of tefillah should be spurred and galvanized by, energized by what we're struggling with and sharing that with Hashem, and even if we don't have any solutions, at least introducing that into our discussion with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and hoping that we'd be able to overcome some of those obstacles or at least turn those struggles into religiously driven ones. But in the beginning of Parshas Toldos, there's a very different image of Yitzchak Davani. And this is oftentimes neglected because it's not described by the Gemara in Brachos, which lists the three davenings of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Avram's davening the day after Stom, Yitzchak's davening in the southern Parshish Chayisara, and Yaakov's davening in the beginning of Vayetze on that quiet, dark night, being chased by Esav towards Aram Harayin. But there's a quieter tefillah of Yitzchak that goes under the radar in the beginning of Parshas Toldos, where Yitzchak and Rivka haven't had any children, and it would seem to be at least according to the little reading, that it's Rivka's not fault, but it's Rivka's cause, because Yitzchak had already been proven to be ki bi Yitzchak yichar zara. Baruch Hu had clearly promised Avraham that Yitzchak would be a child bearer, that he'd be the seed of Avraham, whereas Rivka has traveled from a foreign land, and her background is shady, and her family 
is uh, a family of Roshayim, a, a Rivka Bas Roshayim. Chazal see her as the epitome of a rose amongst thorns, Kishoshana Benachochim. She grew up with thorns, with the lovens and the besurals of the world, and she incorporated herself into human history and into Jewish history. But presumably, the barrenness probably could be imputed to her. And that's why the Torah says, Ki akarahi, um, that she was an akara. So he stands, Yitzchak stands in davening, Vayetar Yitzchak l'ashem l'nochach ishto, Ki akarahi, because she was an akara. Now this is a pasuk of davening, which as I mentioned a few minutes ago, is not as popular as the well-known Pasuk, which the Gemara in Brachos quotes, Vayitze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada. But there's some very fascinating components of tefillah, and not just of tefillah, but of midos that are on display. First of all, the Torah stresses that Rivka is standing in the room, facing Yitzchak, Yitzchak is facing Rivka. Part of that suggests that Rivka was davening also, and Chazal pick up on this in the Medrash. But part of it is just that Yitzchak was intent on his davening being a davening driven by that visual, optic interaction with Rivka, whether she was in the room or the next room, whether there was a machitza or not, that's not the issue of the Pasuk, but he wanted to look at his wife while he was davening or right before he was davening. There was a presence of his wife that drew that drove his davening. And real davening for another person demands identification, demands commiseration, sympathizing with that person. And that's why Yitzhak wanted Rivka to be there, that his davening shouldn't be abstract but urgent, and shouldn't be general but personal and intimate. And the urgency, but also the personalization of tefillah, is on display. He's not davening as Avram may have been davening abstractly for the people of stone. He's davening for another person. Yitzhak, remember, Yaakov in Parshas Vayetzi davens for himself, so there's no need to visualize the plight of another. Yitzhak is davening for Rivka, and he wants that davening, not just to be a general mishaberach for Rivka, but a personally driven one. And so often in today's context, we have trouble creating or recreating that scene or that reality, the situation of lenochach ishto, lenochach, the person we're davening for, in part because because of communication, because of tehillim lists, and because we daven for people we, we know less well, so we don't really even know sometimes who we're davening for. So it's obviously a good idea, and these Tehillim lists uh, certainly create awareness and broader consciousness, and sometimes we get to know, even through Facebook or through some other media tools, who we're davening for, or email. But more often than not, we, we are just davening for names that we even don't know who they are, or they're the relative of a friend or friend of a relative, and we say, I'll daven for them, which is great, and it's important that we do that. But two things are important. First of all, to try to get to know the person as best we can, even just a little bit of input, tell me about the person's sickness, rather than just saying, what's the person's name? If you, if you meet someone and say, well, my friend is sick, my relative is sick, well, find out a little bit about the illness, follow up. Very often people just dive in and they don't follow up, and sometimes it creates a uh, very, very awkward situation where a person may have even passed, and you're diving for someone that has passed. So sometimes following up is, is a nice thing, at a technical level, to make sure you're davening for someone that still requires your tefillah. It's nice to the person who informed you, to the relative or the friend, to show that you care. You're not just uh, getting some order and putting it down on your uh, notebook or on your on your iPhone and, and, and uh, drawing it out during davening and saying a name. But it's also good because it gives you a sense of updating of where that person stands and to, the, to whatever degree possible 
to recreate lenochach ishto that you you feel that person's uh, development and, and where he, he or she stands and what types of tefillos you need. The same thing when people daven for Jews in Eretz Yisrael or, or any Jews that are suffering. I know that people in Eretz Yisrael have been davening for Jews in, and for everyone in North America, the Northeast Corridor, who, who suffered the Hurricane Sandy. And sometimes it just means looking at the pictures and being able to daven for people while you recognize what they're going through rather than in abstract. And so often in Eretz Yisrael, it's not just saying it to Hillam, but logging on to an Israeli website and learning the names of victims or at least the towns that are being affected by shelling. Part of the challenge is not to um, homogenize all the people you daven for. Well, if you're going to daven for 20 people on a Tehillim list, that may be a, a, a very nice gesture and a nice contribution, hopefully, to their recovery. But there's a difference between those people that you're davening for and people that you really know and people whose lives you share on a very, very day-to-day personal basis. And if you just rattle off all the names at once, very often the generalizing impact can level all the names into one, and people that you really have natural situations of lenochach ishta with, you're not able to because you have so many names on your list. So maybe that means only reciting a list of cholim once a day. And the other tw- two times that you daven Shmon Esrei and you're saying refrain, you know, thinking more specifically about the people that you're close with. Again, there, there's no hard and fast rules, but this whole section of Lenochach Ishto, this whole image, is meant to convey presence and identification as a precondition to real tefillah. Another challenge in modernity is not just the distance and the proliferation of generalized tefillahs, but another problem in the modern context is simply to really feel someone's plight and daven for them, you have to identify with them. Noach doesn't daven with, or on behalf of the people of his generation, even though Avram is constantly davening for those people, because Noach sees them as wicked people who deserve to be eradicated. And if you daven for them, you'll identify with them, and if you identify with them, maybe you'll change, and maybe at the very least you'll feel identity and allegiance with someone who's a sinner. Um, so obviously that's not something which challenges us when we dive in for a victim of illness, but very often we have to dive in for people who have lost their way, uh, and it's a very thin balance, a very, very delicate balance. When you dive in for them, you don't just dive in that these evildoers should have God's authority and a Kodesh Baruch Hu's presence superimposed upon them with some miraculous apocalyptic revelation, as we say in Aleinu, but because you really care for these people, and even though their lifestyles may be aberrant, and even though their lifestyles sometimes may be hostile to yours, can you find the common ground that unites you as Jewish people, even if they're not from, or obviously as, as human beings, even if they're not Jewish, and, and really care for them as human beings, and as part of that caring for them as human beings, you care about their religious and moral welfare, and therefore you're earnestly praying for their religious recovery and religious improvement because it's part of your care for them, which is really the the duality of Avram who preached religion but also just care for human beings. And identification is so central to tefillah, and when you daven for people, do you really identify with them or you identify only with the ideology that you're davening, they realize that you're davening for them to realize but not for the people? Well, that's really a, a, a shallow type of davening. So the first image on display in Parshish Toldos is the image of Linochach Ishto, that he stands 
proximate to his wife, and there's contact, not necessarily physical contact, but there's optic, visual contact, and there's an urgency and a depth to the tefillah because he recognizes what she's suffering through. The second issue is, is the word vayetar. And Chazal and the Gemara in Yuvamos, even though the Gemara in Brachos highlights the Pasuk in Chayisara, the Gemara in Yuvamos and Samach Dalet highlights the word vayetar. The Gemara says in Samach Dalet, Amr Yitzchak, interestingly enough, the Amora who asserted this halacha or this image was named Rabbi Yitzchak, and he's talking about Yitzchak Avinu. Am Rabbi Yitzchak, Why is it like a hoe or a rake or a shovel? A hoe or shovel moves the grains, moves the straw from place to place. The, the tefillah of a tzaddik is able to change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's treatment of humanity from one of anger and midas adin to one of mercy and compassion and midas arachim. Namely, the image of a shovel, of taking grains, let's say, and moving them from place to place, or taking earth and turning it over, turning it upside down, a lot of hard work, suggests change, impacting, impacting the grains in terms of its location, impacting the earth in terms of its being solid or being um, disturbed earth, uh, furrowed and, and plowed earth. And tefillah has an impact. So often people struggle. Can tefillah really change a Kaddish Baruch Hu? A Kaddish Baruch Hu has foreknowledge. A Kaddish Baruch Hu is omniscient, is omnipotent. How can my puny tefillahs really alter the will of a Kaddish Baruch Hu? And this image asserts and reminds us, and, and the Rishonim are pretty sensitive to this in their explanation of this first Pasuk, the Rabbeinu Bachaye, Talmud of the Rambani in particular, Sarah was barren, ki akarahi. This was not a, a ruse, this was not a facade. She was a barren person, ki akarahi, the Torah is emphasizing. She was an akara. <coughs> and Yitzchak alters that reality, and alters the reality by, by impregnating her with twins. So she goes very quickly from being barren to being bear of two children. This is before assisted assisted pregnancies. Today, oftentimes women have difficulty giving birth, so there's all sorts of fertility treatments that can assist. And very often those fertility treatments yield multiple birth pregnancies, multiple child pregnancies. Um, this is before fertility treatments, so she goes very quickly supernaturally, not medically, from being a barren woman to being a mother of twins. And this highlights the fact that Yitzchak changed reality. Now, Kodesh Baruch Hu knew that Yitzchak would change reality, but that doesn't take away from Yitzchak's freedom of choice. And that's part of the general uh, paradox that Hashem knows what we'll choose, but it's our choice that dictates events and dictates reality. So, the image of a shovel, and the image of a shovel really connotes two things. On the one hand, change, that we can and do change Hashem's will, because that's how he programmed reality. And it's also hard work. Uh, the, the exact shovel imagery of the Gemara isn't as hard as what we would associate with a shovel. Uh, the Gemara talks about moving grains from place to place, which can also be strenuous and taxing. But when we think of a shovel and digging into hard ground and, and disturbing it and loosening it and digging, in most cases, unless you're digging on a beach, in most cases the digging is hard. And it is meant to be a difficult process. It's called an avodah believe. And that word avoda connotes many things, but one of the things it connotes is that it isn't meant to be simple, isn't meant to be easy, it's, it's a difficult process, it's, it's, a, it's work, it's toil. So the, the imagery of a shovel 
is the second image which this Pasuk adds. And what's interesting about it is the end of the Pasuk. The end of the Pasuk has a Kodesh Baruch Hu, as we would say, meeting Yitzchak, but meeting him in the exact same word through which Yitzchak davens. So, the, the Lashen HaPasek, let me just get out the Pasek here, Vayetar Yitzchak Lashem, Vayetar Hashem, and Hashem literally means he responds to him, but if we take the image of the Gemara and Yevamos seriously, then Hashem is also shoveling, and Tefillah is a is a rendezvous between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and human beings, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that contact also, and the Gemara and Yevamos is very aware of that, in a very provocative statement, which I won't talk about in this year, the Gemara says, why were the Imaos Akurin? Why were the Imaos Akuros? Why were they barren? And the Gemara says, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mis'ave L'Tfilas Nashot Tzadikim. Hashem wants Tzadikim to Davin. Hashem wants Tzadikos, Tzadikos to Davin. And he wants that contact with great human beings. So he throws challenges in their path in order to elicit passionate and uh, enthusiastic Davining. So that's a, a theological question unto itself. But there's a rendezvousing of two people digging. There's, there's a blockage that has to be eliminated for man and Kodesh Baruch Hu to encounter. And Kodesh Baruch Hu is searching for man, and man is searching for Kodesh Baruch Hu. And this is the drama of Shir Hashirim at a national level. Hashem is searching for Am Yisrael. Am Yisrael is searching for their bonus But this drama of, of mutual searching is being enacted in Parshas Toldos between Yitzchak and Kodesh Baruch Hu. Um, there's some other imageries in the Parsha, but um, I want to try to keep the shear down to a minimum. The two I chose to speak about, number one, identification as a precondition for proper davening. Number two, the image of davening as a shovel, connoting the difficult hard work. It's taxing. It's not physically taxing. It's just emotionally taxing the focus, the the the, the urgency. If, if It can be emotionally taxing if you really sense how vulnerable and how fragile human existence is and how dependent we are on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that could be an emotional awareness. It's not easy or pleasant. We'd rather delude ourselves uh, into being fixated upon the aura of invincibility and, and empowerment rather than acknowledging our frailty, which can be emotionally very difficult to carry. Um, but also the change. Davening always changes. Now, Hashem sometimes can say no, and sometimes he'll say yes, and we don't understand that it's yes, but Davening has the capacity to alter the divine will. Shabbat Shalom.